When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and Arizona lost to Oregon. Sure did, Adam. <laughs> sure did. We definitely thought it'd be a little closer than it was. Uh, the final score was 49-22, and it wasn't even that close. Um, yeah, I... Oh, boy. I, I don't know if we take more from it just being Oregon's really good. Arizona's problems are very much their problems. Like, Arizona can't stop the run, and that was an issue. In this game, very much so, and it gave a 310 rushing yards to Oregon, right? <laughs> like, Arizona's offense wasn't as sharp as it needed to be to have a chance. Jaden Delore was not at his best in this game. Um, the receivers weren't making the plays like they did against Colorado. The one handed catches weren't a thing, really. But overall, this was a game where, you know, Arizona improved as they may be. We're not nearly on the level of Oregon what they are. And this is what happens. It would. It's it's funny because the first five minutes of the game, uh, Arizona was moved, marching the ball down the field, and then had a uh, clunky fumble, fumble ruski on the ten yard line. And if you go punch that in, uh, you know, does that change the trajectory of the game? I think it does. Does that mean Arizona wins the game? Probably not, because I think Oregon's just better. But there, you know, there was enough mistakes Arizona was making, and then Oregon's execution as the game wore on just showed them to be the better team. Um, I, I, I do think there were some, you know, if you, if you polish those turds, that get turd game a little bit, you can find some, some, uh, you know, some, some nice developments. I think we, you know, we saw a couple long runs for Jonah Coleman and DJ Williams that we haven't seen an explosive run play like that. I don't think all season, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice positive thing. Um, you know, you, 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 You'd like to see more out of the defense. I think there was a lot of it. <laughs> You'd like to, but you're not going to. Oh, man. Well, and, and Oregon just kind of ran a, you know, future ASU coach Kenny Dillingham was, they were running a clinic with their misdirection and taking advantage of Arizona's guys being very focused on, you know, covering their gaps. And then a misdirection works really well against that with with superior athletes, right? Um, and so it was... It, it was a little bit frustrating uh, to watch, I think, just because it's like you're kind of running uphill the whole time. And, you know, Jaden, Del- you know, the the even even week Jaden Delora to call back to last week's uh, question kind of showed up this game. Um, I know I, I, I know I messaged you during it. There was a few times that I commented with my friends at the game. There's a few times where he just like did this big wind up for like a pass to a guy that's 20 yards away and then overthrew it by 10 yards like several plays in a row and it's like i just i don't know if he ever got comfortable or if he was you know got happy feet and mechanics slipping but it was kind of a frustrating game all around um 
but you take it and you 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 move on. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Like you did text me during the game about Delore, and he wasn't at his best. He wasn't sharp. It wasn't at his worst. I think he's looked worse at times, but he just wasn't. Like you said, he never got comfortable, it seemed. And you know, Jed Fish said after the game, he kind of started to get a little bit happy feet with the pass rush. But this was one of those games where this is this is the concern for this team going forward. Their offense, like Arizona has a really good offense. I believe that. Arizona's offense should be scoring in the 30s, possibly 40 points at times. But when your defense is so bad, it does put a lot of pressure on that offense to be perfect. Arizona got the ball to start the game, drove right down the field. And you mentioned there was the fumble. And I guess Cowing, he's, he didn't do it right on that play, that rever- you know that kind of receiver goes around. But those are the mistakes that when you make them in your Arizona, like, yeah, Arizona's defense got to stop after that. Then went down and kicked a field goal. So they had two drives in, Ar- in Oregon territory and got three points out of it. To your point, no. If Arizona scores a touchdown on that first drive, they're not winning that football game. There's no way. Does it change the tone? Well, you feel better. But eventually, Oregon's talent is going to win out. But for Arizona offensively, like it's not fair to put that kind of pressure on them, but that's the way it is, especially against a team like Oregon, where if you don't score, your opponent's going to. I think, what was it, Bo Nix had a stretch complete, like 14 straight passes. I think Oregon, like, when did Arizona finally stop a drive? You know, like, after the first one. It was just touchdown right. after touchdown after touchdown. And you want to be upset about that. You want to be like, yeah, there's you got to fix that. But how? You mentioned Arizona's focused on staying in their gaps to stop the running game, and that leads to misdirection. Well, yeah. It's kind of like if you stack the box to stop the run, then you're opening yourself up for passes down the field. Like Arizona just doesn't have the talent, not enough of it defensively to play anyone straight up. And if you're a good offense, a varied offense like Oregon is, you're going to find a weakness there, and you're going to be able to take advantage of it. And that's what happened in this game. So, you know, you don't. I think you're right to call out the long runs, like DJ Williams getting in shape, Jonah Coleman getting in better shape. Those are nice. They're individual plays, but they're signs of something that can happen. Like Jacob Cowing was still good. He was getting open. T-Mac had another touchdown. You know, like there were certain things like, yeah, okay, Arizona did things that Arizona's going to do. But this was a game that if Arizona was going to have a chance, it needed to play nearly perfect on offense. And the three turnovers, settling for a field goal, like that's not even close to perfect. And they lost. So do you want to feel like, I mean, does it change anything? They're three and three now, Arizona. At the halfway point of the season, they're three and three, and they just lost comfortably, you know, not close to what might be the best team they play this season. Okay. Yeah. I, and I, I know this may sound weird. I think Oregon, I think, is ranked 12th uh, after uh, currently. Like, I think they might be underrated because I think people are still waiting that Georgia blowout so heavily from week one. But I don't know if this Oregon team, you know, six games in is the same Oregon team that showed up against Georgia. Um, I mean, I was there with with one of our mutual friends who's a big Georgia fan, and he, he unprovoked said, I, as a Georgia fan, I'm happy they're not playing uh, week six Oregon, and they played well, week To be Oregon. fair, Arizona's defense can make anyone look pretty damn well, good. Sure. <laughs> there's, there's Georgia's still- defense has a way of making them not, so... Well, but then Georgia has struggled against some inferior opponents in the last couple of weeks too, but I don't think anybody's doubting that they're not a great team, right? It's it's college yeah, football, so yeah. it's weird and week to week there's there's, you know, the 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 beauty of college football is it's about as much as Oregon just kind of picked Arizona apart, usually it's a lot more about the big plays and the explosive plays, the turnovers, the long 80-yard touchdowns. This was just kind of an Oregon exerting their will on a, a on an inferior Arizona team and it's, you know, they have the athletes, they have the scheme, and they they played a lot enough together where they were able to execute, and it and it showed up in the score. 
Yeah, yeah. What what do you think of the crowd there? I know it was announced as a sellout, which Arizona's first since I think what twenty fifteen, um, when they played UCLA, and that game didn't go well either. But what do you think of it? Uh, the crowd was good as family weekend, so I think that was a a big you know reason for the sellout. Uh, you know, a lot of parents in town. Um, you could see walking around campus. The Zona Zoo keeps showing up every week, which is a really encouraging thing in in my mind. Um, you know, I think with it being Parents Weekend, it was a large crowd, but not necessarily a raucous crowd. Um, and then sidebar, there's some special Oregon fans out there. My personal favorite was the guy wearing a uh, chrome chain, like large, heavy chain around his neck and Oregon Nike receiving gloves with uh, green dyed hair. He seemed uh, like he must be a PhD student uh, at Oregon, <laughs> but he made the trip, and he was sitting a couple rows in front of me. But no, it was, it, the the crowd was good. Um, I think the energy was pretty good, but I think it was a little subdued because it was just a lot of parents, <laughs> and they're yeah. just they're just there being like, where, "Where's all my money going with my kid going here?" Um, <laughs> you know, more than more than cheering. But you know, the Zona Zoo, I think, is the big takeaway that they're still showing up. And hopefully that hopefully that continues, right? Arizona's on the road this week at Washington. But, you know, I would hope that a game like what happened does not be like, oh, well, football, you know, oh, no, we suck again type of thing, right? Like, Arizona's a much better product on the field. Even in losing games like this, like, they scored 22 points since this game. How many times did they get to 20 last season? Like, once, if at all. You know, and that, that, this wasn't a good performance. I'm not sure. It's a very low bar still, but it's still a very low bar. You know, is this an entertaining product? Arizona was moving the ball down the field. They picked up yards in this game. You know, it wasn't like they were just devoid of anything to be cheering about. Like they resulted, in, you know, a couple of fumbles in deep in Oregon territory. That's not great because you get that anticipation of something better than that. But just hopefully the fans continue to support this team. And I understand that, you know, people spend money there in their time however they want. But Arizona is a markedly improved team. The product is better than it was the last couple of years. And as long as they keep playing hard and they played hard in this game, then I think that's something to feel good about. And, you know, they're halfway through the season and they're three and three. We all would have taken that. Yeah. And I, I still stand by. I think they've got the puncher's chance in all of this, this gauntlet of the schedule that's upcoming. And, that, you know, some of those struggles on defense, you know, there's some changes that are that have been announced this week. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. I think DJ Warnell's getting moved into the starting lineup. Jacob Manu's getting moved into the starting lineup. It's funny, you think back uh, in the reporting out of camp was one of the main reasons Colby Cage and Gunnar Maldonado won starting jobs was they were better in coverage. Uh, and maybe the Johnny Nansen and staff are realizing, well, you know, coverage isn't the problem when you're giving up 310 yards rushing. Um, so we'll see if, if that if that has an impact on the field. Is it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic type of thing? You know, like... If these, if, and I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate, you know, Jacob Manu or a DJ Warnell, but like I'd like to think that if they were really the difference makers that everyone's hoping they will be, they would have been on the field sooner. <laughs> because yeah. if they, if each of them can now make Manu's played a decent amount the last few weeks, but if this change all of a sudden Arizona's defense goes from terrible to bad, it's like why were these guys sitting? You know, where, what, what was the coaching staff not noticing that needed to be done? It's like, I'm going to guess that just Arizona's defense will be solved with another recruiting class or two. Like, that's what yeah. it'll take to improve things. I don't imagine the great, I mean, and also just some of these guys getting older, some of these guys getting stronger, like the Sterling Lanes. You know, there's players on this team, Tyler Martin. There's good defensive, young defensive players who just aren't ready. Deuce Davis with another year in the program. You know, players like that. 
but I just don't know if it's on the roster this year to make a substantial noticeable difference, especially against the schedule that's upcoming. I, I'm actually slightly optimistic to see what DJ Warnell will be on the field because he's looked pretty good in limited time on the field. And I think he's got that length that Maldonado doesn't have uh, in run support. Um, And plus, you know, the corners are not the problem for Arizona in general right now on defense, right? Like no one has to throw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Make them, (laughs) make them throw the ball to Christian Roland Wallace uh, more often. Right. Or trade in Stukes. Like I, I I feel like that's a better bet. I think it might just, I don't know if it's going to be a material shift in the defense, but I think that the changes will make them better overall. You know, is that good enough to win um, against Washington or any other teams that are upcoming on the schedule? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, if you're giving up nine yards of carry and 300 yards rushing, you're you're not going to win a lot of games the rest of the year. Even the ASU game has holidays running the ball really well, and they need to figure it out before that game. Sure, sure. Well, Arizona's next chance to show they figure it out, to show if these changes make a difference, is going to be this Saturday at Washington. To preview the game, we're going to talk with Max Ruman of uwdogpound.com to learn more about the Huskies. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Max Ruman of UW Dog Pound, one of the SB Nation sites, covers the Washington Huskies because that is this weekend's Arizona football opponent in Washington. So, Max, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so a week ago, if we would have talked to you, this would have been previewing a top 25 team in Washington. Obviously, they they lost to Arizona State last week. It didn't make any sense. Just defense was purely optional in that game from what I saw for both sides. But Washington is still a tough team. Arizona probably should have beat them last year, and Tucson didn't. How good is this Washington team, which knowing, again, that the answer today may be different than the one you would have given seven days ago? Yeah, there's still some confusion about whether or not this is a truly above-average team. I think it's pretty clear, given the last couple games, that this isn't quite a top 25 team, but there's still the chance this is a top 30, 35 uh, program. The the big thing is the defense just has completely fallen apart over the last two weeks, and those correspond with two road games. So I think we still need a couple more data points to, to truly know where this team is at. Home games seem to be doing all right, especially when against not great teams, but Michigan State looked like it was the one test that they passed, and we knew for sure, okay, this team's really good. They kicked their butts, and then it turns out Michigan State has gone out and gotten demolished in three straight games immediately after. So uh, there still isn't that one opportunity to say, hey, they played a really good team and they beat them. Uh, They've played one seemingly really good team and got their doors busted open in the first half and managed to crawl back into it and keep it to single digits. That was that road game against UCLA. Other than that, there's there's definitely still some confusion. The offense, check mark, that, that is done, that is good. Defense, certainly bad. It's just a question of how bad. Yeah, because I was going to say, you look at the schedule, there are two losses. They've lost the last two, but each of them were by a touchdown, right? It was mm-hmm. eight points to UCLA on the road, seven points to Arizona State on the road. This isn't a team that in its losses has gotten blown out or has gotten outclassed necessarily. But then you look at the schedule, too. The wins are Kent State, Portland State, Michigan State, and Stanford. Michigan State, of course, hasn't been as good as we think, and Stanford's pretty terrible. So it's just kind of like yeah. you're kind of in that place where you just don't know who this team is still. Yeah, and I think the the scores to some degree are misleading. That UCLA game, Washington was down forty to sixteen and rallied for a pair of touchdowns with two point conversions to to close it to eight. So 
it, it's still a little bit that, yes, the final score looked okay, but you look at the win expectancy chart on that, UCLA had it in hand uh, starting around halftime. And then the Arizona State game, they were down 14 points in the second quarter. And every single time that UW made a move to score, Arizona State answered with a score of their own. Again, that game came down to a little bit. It was a, a fluky pick six where ball hit off an offensive lineman's helmet, popped into the air, and AS went right to an ASU player who ran it back for a touchdown. And that ended up being the final margin. So you look at that game uh, on the one hand, could have gone either way. On, on the other, though, uh, Arizona State had their starting quarterback knocked out and played a former walk-on backup who lit them up through much of the game. So there's not necessarily a lot that was fluky about that defensive performance. So, Max, you know, you mentioned that the defense has been uh, for Washington has struggled so far. You know, what are teams doing against them that they're finding success? And, and where are the kind of those weak spots on the defense? Well, last year, Washington had a fantastic pass defense with a pair of cornerbacks who ended up in the top 50 of the NFL draft with Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. But they're now gone. Uh, last year, they got run on all over all day, and the coaching staff didn't really do anything to make adjustments, much to the chagrin of Husky fans everywhere. Uh, this year, it's been more through the air. Uh, there's been a lot of injuries. They brought in a transfer from UC Davis, a Jordan Perryman, who was supposed to be kind of the standout corner, and he suffered an injury in the first game. He came back the last two weeks, but it hasn't really helped. Uh, on the other corner spot, Michelle Powell started out the year uh, as a former walk-on, but who has uh, exceeded those expectations and is now on scholarship. He got hurt in the third game, and he's not going to be available. Starting safety, Asa Turner got hurt in the second or third game. He just returned last week, but got ejected for a targeting penalty that knocked uh, ASU quarterback Emory Jones out of the game as well. So he missed almost that entire game last week. Uh, there have just been so many injuries in the secondary, um, a lot of shuffling parts, uh, a lot of just throwing guys out there to try to see what works. And so far, hasn't really been much that's worked teams when they really want to throw the ball. Uh, as long as the Husky pass rush doesn't find home, which against Stanford, they did getting eight sacks on Tanner McKee. But outside of that game, uh, if the quarterback is upright, he is generally going to find somebody open and he's going to get that person the ball. So moving to the other side of the ball where Washington has been looking pretty good on offense, what's what's been the key to the success there and, and how has Washington been finding success? Again, it's it's primarily been in the passing game. Michael Penix Jr. has come over from Indiana uh, where he's had injury issues in the past, but overall uh, has been a good quarterback when he's been in the game. And this year, he's by starting his seventh game, he'll have set a new career high in games against Arizona, although he took a really dangerous shot on the last possession against Arizona state that it, everybody was kind of seeing the season flashing before their eyes before he came back into the game after one play. Um, but Penix, uh, those first couple of games was playing at a Heisman caliber level. He was getting buzzed in that regard and had gotten down to, I think had the sixth or seventh best Heisman odds after the Michigan state game. Uh, the last few games that accuracy just hasn't quite been there, especially on the deep balls. He's still been good on those intermediate routes. Um, and, Washington's got a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Um, the offensive line has generally been able to hold up and give him time. Um, but it's still, even when it hasn't quite clicked, Washington still has scored at least 35 points in every game this year, or I guess 32 against UCLA. So at least 32 in every single game this year. Uh, and given the offensive futility that Husky fans saw last year, I think if you had told them we're going to score at least 32 points in every single game, everyone would have taken that in a heartbeat. Uh, and I think that's still probably the case. 
Well, well, Max, as as somebody that was at that Washington-Montana game to open the year last year, I'd really appreciate it if that Washington team showed up this coming Saturday. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, They've got competent players, quarterbacks, receivers, coaches. uh, All of those were absent in that particular game. How wild is this, too? Because like hearing you talk about how transfer quarterback comes in, finds this really good receiver group, you know, when he has time to throw, he's great on the intermediate stuff, maybe been struggling a little bit on the deep balls. And it sounds a lot like Arizona right now, who has a transfer quarterback who has great receivers to get the ball to when he has time to find them. He usually does. Hasn't really been great on the deep ball. And yet, I guess... <laughs> Like Washington has a few more, has a couple more, another win more than Arizona does, but it seems like in a way they're very similar. And I imagine Washington's defense has to be better than Arizona's. As bad as it's been, I imagine it has to be because Arizona obviously is just dreadful on that side of the ball. But like, it seems kind of like these are similar teams. Is that something that you got in just from watching Washington, what you know of Arizona? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of right in terms of especially just how the how each team breaks down and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, when you look at the advanced metrics, Washington has the edge both on offense and on defense. But when you look at some of those points per game totals or some of the things that aren't opponent adjusted necessarily, or just the overall differences between them, I, I think it's true. There are a lot of similarities, I think, on offense. Uh, you know, one difference is that the Huskies primarily that the receivers that they had in place were all on the roster last year. It's just kind of a year of growth, whereas Arizona imported Jacob Cowing and uh, McMillan came in as a freshman. Um, so they've had kind of the, that that injection there, um, whereas Washington kind of brought the quarterback and the coaching staff. And those are the two additions as opposed to upgrading the skill position talent everywhere. Uh, but you know, this, this looks like it's going to be a high scoring game on Saturday. And if both teams scored 35 plus points, that certainly wouldn't be a surprise to see. Um, I know Husky fans are not looking forward to seeing Jacob Delora again um, after he completely, uh, I, um, completely destroyed uh, us while he was with Wazoo last year, uh, got into uh, a lot of hot water locally after he went out and planted a flag at midfield in Husky stadium in the rivalry game, uh, came out and afterwards said kind of regretted doing that, but uh, he's definitely someone who if the Husky pass rush gets home and sacks him eight times like they did against Stanford, uh, no Husky fan is going to be sad to see him continually in the turf. Well, it's certainly a different sub. Sorry, Brad, but it's certainly a different sub than last year's game between these teams, right? Because yeah. last year was 21, 16. I mentioned earlier, I thought, I mean, Arizona probably wins that game if not for a screen pass that went awry, which oh, yep. that happened. <laughs> That wasn't the first time all of that season where a screen pass got intercepted, just so you know. Washington wasn't special in that regard. But that was 21-16 with two just terrible offenses. Mm-hmm. And now a year later, we're looking at saying, yeah, if this game's in the 30s with these dynamic offenses, I'm used to Washington having a strong defense. I'm not used to a Washington that's expected and maybe has to score in the mid to high 30s to win a football game. Like, what a difference a year makes, Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a huge change from, you know, ever since Chris Peterson got here with Pete Kukowski as defensive coordinator and Jimmy Lake uh, for all of his uh, unfortunate struggles as a head coach was was still a really great defensive backs coach and was still a good defensive coordinator. Um, you know, this is just a, a defense that had continually replaced premium NFL talent with more premium NFL talent, particularly at the defensive uh, line spots as well as at cornerback. And it really seems like this year that that well is just kind of empty. I, I, there's nobody on that defense that you look and say is an automatic 
first round pick. I, Zion Tupola Fatui uh, was the guy who everyone thought would, would be the premier player at the edge spot. Uh, he obviously two years ago in the COVID season looked tremendous. He had seven sacks in three games and then he tore his Achilles that off season uh, hasn't ever quite looked right. He's had a couple flashes here and there, but um, really hasn't made it. Braylon Trice uh, out of Arizona is been the guy primarily as a pass rusher. And before last week was leading the country in pass rush win rate per pro football focus. Um, however, he had, I think, one total pressure and zero quarterback hits against Arizona State. Uh, really struggled. So hopefully for Husky fans at home with the with the crowd being able to, to help get an extra little bit of a jump, um, he's going to be able to have a good game. But uh, really, Trice, if he continued to show what he did the first few games, is the only player on that defense that you can say looks like he's a potential, you know, top three round NFL draft pick. And every defense for the last six or seven years has seemingly had five, six, seven of those guys. So Max, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to get your sense of kind of the vibes going into this game from the Washington perspective. You know, you talked about there's maybe some animosity and bad blood in the program and among the fan base with Jaden Delora and the flag incident last year. But, but there's also, you know, the deflating loss to ASU and, and losing two straight. But but there's still a lot of expectations there. But and even beyond that, the you know there's the Seattle Mariners in town that are playing Saturday too. That may you know take some of the wind out of the sails uh, in Seattle and in the state of Washington and the fan base. So I'm curious to know your perspective of kind of what's the vibe going into this, both in the clubhouse and and maybe in the fan base. Yeah, I'm sure the in the in the clubhouse that the team is is definitely not happy with the way the last couple of weeks have gone. And coming back home, it is the homecoming game. Um, both in terms of having played two road games and literally as the homecoming game. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of motivation for them to come out and uh, have a much better showing against Arizona. In terms of the the city, I think this was a team that really wanted to believe but wasn't 100% bought in on uh, Keelan DeBoer um, starting with the beginning of the season as he came in as the new head coach. Um, after the 3-0 start, or I guess the 4-0 start really with Stanford, but especially after that Michigan State game, there were a lot of people who were ready to build a statue of him outside. And now the last two weeks uh, have really tempered that enthusiasm a bit um, and just hasn't been able to uh, have quite the same showing, especially on the blog. You're just seeing a lot, lot less engagement than we were over those first four weeks. So I think there's still a little bit of a fair weather element to the fans in regards to this team. There's not uh, unlimited trust for them. And I think having that Mariner game at the same time on uh, Saturday is definitely going to affect the crowd to some degree. Um, so I think you're probably going to see a good crowd, but uh, the weather is going to be great. It's a two thirty start time. Uh, all of the old alumni uh, who have had their tickets for 50 years, aren't going to have to worry about a late seven thirty start. Um, but it maybe is not the the greatest crowd in the world and compared to that Michigan State game, for sure. This is all so relatable, the idea of these late starts. And it's an early start that should get fans here. You know, and of course, I imagine Arizona people are thinking, no, go go watch the Mariners. Get ready for the Seahawks playing the Cardinals, right? Focus your energy on that. Don't worry about this game. But I, I have to laugh because it's, you know, Arizona's the normal homecoming game, it seems like. You know, like that's kind of offensive, but it's also warranted after the last couple of years. I'm wondering from a Washington perspective, though, because I'm I'm looking at the box score from last year's game and knowing that these teams are completely different. Right. You know, Arizona's side, there's like one player who touched the ball offensively 
who's likely to do so this Saturday. Maybe Jamari Joyner, but that would just be in like in a wildcat type formation. Everything else, Will Plummer, no. Stevie Rocker, Jalen John, Stanley Berryhill, Bam Smith, you know, BJ Castile, Tavian Cunningham, they're all gone or just not playing roles in this, you know, this season. How do Washington or how what is the vibe for like thinking of Arizona the program? Because for us, we know they're way better than last season, even though they may not win another game for another month. But just how do Washington people see the University of Arizona, Jed Fish, and the job he's doing? Yeah, I, I know there are a lot of skeptics of Jed Fish, um, especially coming into this year. I think the the recruitment of McMillan and then what they were able to do in the transfer portal, um, getting to Laura and getting Cowing, I think has, has really kind of changed the outlook. I don't know that um, Husky fans as a whole would necessarily say, okay, now we think that that Arizona is going to be a contender and a force to be reckoned with in the, in the coming years necessarily. But I think most fans would understand that this is a vastly reshaped team and that, you know, the Arizona that we saw over the last few years that really hit rock bottom, that that this isn't this group. And, you know, I I guess there probably are fans out there who don't really pay attention all that strongly to the conference who might see Arizona and just say, Oh yeah, that team that was terrible the last few years, this is easy. But I think anyone who, who, pays attention at all to the conference is, is aware that this is a totally new team, uh, especially on offense. And it's definitely not going to look the same as it has in past years. Yeah. Well, heading into the, this game, I think it's probably reaching that point where we want to get your expectation of what's going to happen here. Uh, you know, what's your, what's your prediction for how this game is going to play out? It wouldn't shock me if it plays out pretty similarly to the way the Arizona State game played out and that both teams are going to score a lot of touchdowns and there's not going to be a lot of stops and whichever team is able to to win the turnover battle or get that fourth and one stop, uh, force a field goal in the red zone. Um, I think the game's going to come down to come down to those. Uh, there's a chance that maybe Washington is just a team that plays much, much better at home than on the road. And if that happens, um, maybe it gets closer to that 14 point part, uh, point spread that it currently is showing in the odds. But, um, after watching this team the last two weeks, I don't see how you feel comfortable about Washington covering. And, and this looks more like a one touchdown game towards the end. So I'm going to go something, something like 44, 35 to 38, uh, UW victory. But, um, I, am anticipating being extremely nervous for the vast majority of this game. <laughs> that's so many points and i know i'm pretty sure arizona fans would take a game like that especially if it's close throughout but the quarterback battle that's going to be kind of fun here right like really quick before we got your prediction but Penix has been good uh, he like what like, and he says the receivers but how does arizona's defense which hasn't really stopped anybody if they are to limit washington's offense how would it happen like what does it look like yeah, I think there's the the running back position for UW is a little bit beat up, and this is a team that prefers to pass it anyway. So if if that continues and they're able to when rush, Washington tries to run the ball, mostly contain UW. Um, this isn't a team that's going to say, "Hey, we've got a we've got a matchup uh, advantage here. We're just going to run the ball twelve straight times." That's just not who they want to be. Um, so if there's one area that's going to be weak, it would it would be against there. There's a chance that UW gets pass heavy. And overall, if they can get some pressure on Penix, even though he's fantastic at getting rid of the ball before the pressure actually gets there, um, if you can force him to throw it away or get rid of it a little bit earlier, um, he's prone to taking some one-on-one shots that might not be totally open when when the, the pocket breaks down a little bit. 
And so all it takes is one or two of those to uh, be a little bit off and end up in an interception. Um, and if they can live, uh, get close enough on the deep ball to where Penix can't just put it out there and there's a wide open receiver by 10 yards, if they can close that to two or three yards and force him to make a truly accurate throw when he tries to go 25, 30 yards downfield, then uh, those are the ones that he's missed on in the last few weeks that he didn't in those first couple. Okay. So, so it, it sounds like we have a, uh, between Washington's ground attack and Arizona's run defense, we have the pleasure of probably seeing a stoppable force and a movable object uh, for a lot of Saturday. Yeah. They, they've been, they've, you know, when you look at the yards per carry numbers, 5.8 for Tolapapa, 5.1 for Cam Davis, 5.7 for Richard Newton, but it just doesn't feel like it, particularly because when it's been fourth and one last week, uh, we just chose to go on a fly sweep on a fourth and one at our own 30-yard line, uh, and it got shut down for a turnover on downs, which ASU scored a couple plays later. Uh, there have been numerous times where we've had first and goal at the one, and it's taken three or four tries to get in or didn't happen at all against Michigan state. They went four straight runs from the one never got in. So even though the overall yards per carry look, look okay in short yardage situations, it's definitely, definitely had some struggles. But do you want to do the Arizona podcast? Cause I think we say the same stuff. Like this really is kind of like looking into a bit of a mirror, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria and everything, because like Arizona has the same trouble. So yards per carry, not bad, but they've had those fourth and ones or first and goal from the two and they don't punch it in. So but it sounds like this is the game where if Arizona can somehow convince Washington not to run the ball, then they might have a chance. But in the same token, Washington's passing game is their strength. So it could be a high flying, high scoring affair like you predicted. Like that would be fun at least. Yeah. And and if we're gonna if we're gonna trade and I'm gonna do the Arizona podcast, can we can we go ahead and trade basketball teams as well? Is that fair? No, 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 no. all right. Thank you. We've had great talking to Max Ruman here. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you during basketball season. I, I you know, that's always more fun for us, but you know, maybe football yeah. can be too. But this is Max Rubin, UW Dog Pound. That's D A W G Pound. They cover Washington Huskies for SB Nation. You can find Max on Twitter at UWDP underscore Max Room. I like that. That's a good Twitter handle. But, you know, hopefully it's a good game. We like to tell our guests, hopefully both teams have fun. And, you know, maybe we'll see a lot of points on Saturday. Thanks for joining us, though. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, and when we come back, we'll give you our thoughts on this game that apparently will feature a lot of points. Okay, we're back. Thanks again to Max Rubin from UWDogPound.com for sharing that insight. Brett, I, I feel like this maybe isn't as insulting as it will come across. But some of these people we're talking like Max, too, it sounds like we're talking to someone who's covering Arizona. So much of Washington is like this offense that's way better than it has been in the past. A good transfer quarterback, really good receivers and a defense that's not great, Uh, which doesn't sound like the Washington we know. But I guess that's the Washington we're going to see Saturday. Well, I think even beyond that, you know, I think Max used something along the lines of uh, this, we still don't know what this Washington team is, right? And I think that applies to Arizona as well. Like you're getting a sense of it, but there's such inconsistency. You're getting a sense of the strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's partially just the nature of college football. You know, I'd feel a lot better uh, if this game was in Tucson um, than rather than in Seattle. But, you know, with what we talked about with, you know, the Mariners kind of taking, maybe taking some of the attention from the fan base, you know, who knows what may happen. I think, 
I, I expect to see a lot of passing yards or uh, alternatively, Washington may suddenly find a very strong running game uh, against Arizona as most. that wouldn't be a shock <laughs> if they discover their running game Saturday afternoon I, mean, I would I would be the person that hands the ball off you know 40 carries a game against Arizona currently and make them beat you but yeah well that's kind of well you mentioned take the Mariners they're playing they're scheduled to play at one o'clock on Saturday at home like that game's in Seattle and not everybody who goes to Washington is a Mariners fan I understand that and not everyone's gonna be able to get Mariners tickets I mean that's a huge deal there I would imagine that as far as homecoming games go, this one will be more looking like a Cal homecoming game than a traditional Washington homecoming game in terms of attendance and just enthusiasm. Because there's going to be a lot of people would be and Grant, you can follow the game on your phone, you know, the Mariners <laughs> game. But I, that's probably going to take a lot of the attention of these fans, a lot of their enthusiasm, a lot of just the emotion they can bring to sports is probably going to be devoted to the Mariners, which well, maybe this helps Arizona a little bit. Well, and that's kind of why I asked Max about the, the, the vibes going into this game, right? Because there's some deflating factors, you know, with losing the game against ASU the way they did and, and losing the game before that against UCLA. They, you know, the wins out of the Washington sales a little bit. Does that... but they're not going to win the Pac-12. They're not that good. Yeah. And, you know, the Mariners are a distraction. It's homecoming, sure. But there's also all these other things going on, It you know. I, I think it's I'm curious to see what the energy is uh, so far as that road game goes. And I, I haven't looked at the forecast. I assume since it's Seattle, it'll be uh, dreary and, and and rainy. But I, that's just complete uh, Seattle bias uh, in my mind. But, you know, I, 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 I conversely, I'm curious to see what the vibes are in the Arizona football program where they're going to have to go on the road. And they looked pretty darn good against a sold out crowd at San Diego State, though that crowd i would argue was also fairly subdued just from you know all of the heat stroke that was happening um <laughs> and arizona getting off to a good start that game like that matters. yeah no i i really think it does and i think you know arizona kind of had a bit of a deflating game against oregon though i don't know if you saw the the pac-12 mic'd up thing on on twitter there's a couple minute long video oh with fish yeah yeah um and you could just you know I don't know if Fish gets editing rights over that, but I think it was not an accident. If 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 he does get any say in it, that like the towards the end of the game of him just saying just keep fighting, keep fighting, and even as they were run, showing the the clock running out, I think we're going to see if how Arizona reacts to this. They're going to have new guys in the starting lineup on on the defensive side. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a weird vibes game potentially uh, in my mind, and then I'm curious to see you know, what Washington's game plan is if they get away from their strength a little bit just to take advantage of Arizona's weakness and how much does that take them out of what they're usually trying to do, right? Like, yeah, I think I think this game is probably more uh, unpredictable than you would think just, you know, at a 10,000-foot level for all these little weird reasons. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that means that Arizona's going to win the game or should be at all, like, expected to, but I think it's going to be a little bit more unpredictable, if that makes sense. It does, and for to your point, Brett, the weather is supposed to be seventy-three degrees and sunny on oh, Saturday in that Seattle. Just sounds glorious, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it, you look at this, and yeah, like the things like Washington should beat Arizona, but I do wonder for them. Whereas, like Arizona Jetfish, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting, and this is a team that since Jetfish got to Tucson, does keep fighting. There's they don't quit. Whereas, what is Washington? I know they got a new coach too, but. Their goals, like three weeks ago, Washington thought they were a top 20. I mean, they were a top 25 team. It's like, what could they accomplish? Well, those dreams are mostly out the window now. 
now reality kind of sets in for, okay, you're not a nine win team. You're not a 10 win team. You're probably closer to, you know, a seven win team, which isn't bad. Arizona would, would be thrilled with seven wins, but what does that do to them now coming home for homecoming? Do you'd think that would boost them up? Like Max said, you know, they're going to want to go out there and put the last couple weeks behind them. But those last couple weeks did happen. And again, we'll see what the crowd looks like based on because of the Mariners game. So if Arizona goes out there and plays hard, let's say gets a plays like they did against San Diego State, I'll say play like that, but gets a 14 nothing lead, 14-3, 21-7, what happens in that game? Does Arizona's confidence, which hasn't left them, just grow and grow, whereas Washington kind of goes like, well, okay, this is who we are now. This is what's happening. And I don't know Washington well enough. I don't want to say they're going to quit. That's not for me to assume that could happen. But I think what that's is that kind of what you're trying to say. Like the weirdness that this game kind of has where Arizona's an underdog. They're a two-touchdown underdog for a reason. But part of me could see Arizona winning, especially if Washington doesn't devote their offense to the running game. And, like, they don't want to. Like, can they force themselves to be who they're not because it might be to their best? Like, is Michael Penix Jr. going to be okay throwing the ball 20 times in this game, right? Are they going to be okay running about 30, 35, 40 times like, and get away from who they are because getting away from who they are might be their best chance to win? I don't know. It's going to be fun to see. Yeah, like, I was thinking while you were talking, you kind of got to the where my mind was going. If, if Arizona gets out to an early, like, two-touchdown lead, does that – make Washington go towards passing the ball, which they already want to do, but might be to Arizona's benefit in the long term of the course of the game <laughs> and, them, and them getting away from the run game. Maybe, you know, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting, I like, in case you can't tell, I'm getting weird vibes from this game, Adam. And I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a weird, fun one. I don't think I feel confident enough in the weirdness to think that Arizona is going to win, but I think the spread is probably too much. Um, just given all those things that we've talked about. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. I think though, that's, that's one thing I feel pretty confident. in. Yeah. It certainly seems like it's, you know, granted the Cal game was a fun one until it wasn't, but that was Arizona's last time on the road. Arizona has not been a bad road team. They're, you know, one and one on the road. Like they haven't had an embarrassing performance. They really haven't had an embarrassing performance all season. And I don't imagine it's going to come in this game, if only because Washington's defense, which it's again, so weird to hear about their defense and their secondary being just garbage, you know, cause that's not the Washington we've gotten used to over the years, but to hear that it's like, it seems like it could fit right into what Arizona needs to be able to do. You know, Arizona needs to be able to move the bars and needs to be able to find success in the passing game, especially down the field with their receivers. And if they can do that and keep up with Washington, because if both these teams can throw the ball well, can run the ball okay, and neither one can stop anybody, I mean, <laughs> like, what does that mean, right? Like, who whose weakness is more exploitable or whose weakness is more easily correctable? And I don't know. I would think that Washington's defense is better than Arizona's. The stats would seem to back that up. But I also watched them play ASU last weekend, and they couldn't stop anything. So, like, I don't know. I think you just said Arizona is a poor man's Washington right now, Adam. Kind of. It's a Spider-Man meme. They're all just pointing at each other. Isn't that what it sounds like? Because even like when Arizona played Colorado, you knew that Colorado didn't have a good offense to go along with their garbage defense. Washington has right. a good offense, a really good offense to go along with what might be a garbage defense. That's very similar to Arizona. Is their offense better than Arizona's? Probably a little bit. It's more consistent anyway. Penix Jr. is a better quarterback than Jay and Delore. At least he has been up to this point in the season. But it sounds very similar from talking to Max and from watching Washington like I did. It's only one week that I watched them. 
but they remind me a lot of Arizona. Well, and, and the other the other thing, one of the reasons why Washington, you know, there's like, it's the narrative, right? Washington was 4-0 and ra- ranked, you know, pretty highly. Part of that was because, oh, hey, they, they beat Michigan State. Well, it turns out Michigan State's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> right, so like, like Michigan well, that goes State, like for Arizona winning at San Diego State, though San Diego State is not the San Diego State yeah. that we're used to. But, yeah. but that goes back to where I say it's like both of these teams don't really. I don't think the fan bases know exactly what they have in them. Right, like Michigan State lost to Minnesota at home, thirty-four to seven, and lost I guess the, to Maryland. <laughs> the baseline for Washington is better than the baseline for Arizona. Yeah, but in terms of right. who these teams actually are, yeah, it's fair to say we still don't know. And this is halfway through the season. Like that's yeah. that's pretty crazy. It's college football, though. I mean, I think, and, but I think this is where you know we 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 talk about the puncher's chance. Like this is definitely you know you know a game where whoever lands a good punch may win the game, right? Yeah. Um. If if Arizona plays a clean game in terms of turnovers, uh, and maybe has a couple big plays and and forces a turnover or two, I think they maybe even are favored to win the game. But that's a lot of ifs to get there, right? Yeah, maybe maybe the biggest one being play a clean game and you know don't beat yourself, don't don't have like against Oregon there was some like uh, some false starts on key plays where it was going to be like a third and two that suddenly is a third and seven like you just can't have that, mm-hmm. um, you know it, the the fumble at the ten when you're marched down the field, so you know it, it's 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 like it, I keep coming back to it. I think it's going to be a weird game. It's a very hard one to predict. I think it's going to be high scoring. I What's think- your prediction? I was gonna say, I think Arizona. I was, I was, I was heading that direction, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I think it's gonna be Washington 45, Arizona. Oh man, let's go with 41 with a late touchdown and then a failed uh, uh, onside kick to try to get to get the ball back with down one score. Okay, okay. You know what? I've, I'm talking myself into Arizona winning this game. And normally yeah. by the time we do this, I've written my prediction for AZ Desert Swarm. I haven't done that yet. So this is going to be my prediction that I'm going to have to... Sorry, Brian Peterson, the editor-in-chief there. This is what I'm going to have to bring to the table. But <laughs> I, I think I'll have Arizona 42, Washington 34. Oh, man. I don't know why, but that just seems right to me. I mean... I hope it's right as a as an Arizona fan. I, I, I just one thing though, I want to ask you too. One thing: How do you think about Tyler Loop? I feel very fine with Tyler Loop. Like I, he missed the field goal last week. They iced him. I know he made the after the other one, but like he hasn't been. I don't know. He's missed a couple where I'm just like, oh boy, I hope it doesn't come down to needing the field goal. I, which I'll, I'll put, by my score, it won't. But, you know, well, I mean, as we've talked about in the past, if you're depending on a college kicker to win you the game, you've, then you've already lost. Been, yes, you've <laughs> lost. Um, I think Tyler Loop is at his worst, a very uh, acceptable kind of median college kicker. And I think he's actually better than that. I think he's okay. fairly reliable. I think he has the leg strength to, to kick longer. I think he loses a lot of accuracy as he goes back, as we've maybe kind yeah. of seen a little bit of that. Well, he's um, perfect in between 30 and 39, but he's one of three to 40 to 49. Yeah. With a long of 43. Which kind of aligns with my, like, he is median or above as a college kicker, right? Maybe not an NFL talent at, at the kicker spot, um, but I think 
you'll you'll you would take that in nine seasons out of ten as an Arizona football fan at your kicker position. <laughs> That's fair. No, I just made me think of it because I was thinking of the Oregon game, and I'm pretty sure he like they did ice him on one of them. I think it was the end of the first half, and he missed the kick that he they iced him, and then he came back and made the kick right after that. He was like, okay, cool, but you know, just random thought that came into my head as we're about wrapping up the show here. You know, it happens. Uh, Brad, is there anything else we need to talk about, you think? I mean, it's mostly still football. I know basketball had media day. Men's basketball had media day this past week. So we're going to start getting into basketball seasons coming up. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty good about what we've talked about today. How about you? I, I agree. I'm I'm excited for this, this game Saturday. It's going to be a weird time. We will probably... Uh, the Twitter handle may be a little choppy because I think we will be watching this game together and imbibing a few things as we're celebrating your your uh, birthday we are so i apologies in advance for my uh my drunk tweets from the handle <laughs> but if arizona wants to get a win on the day that we are celebrating my birthday that would be just terrific um, also things that arizona can't help but you can you know make sure you're following us on twitter at wildcat radio az that account that brett was talking about with his like, don't don't be fooled, though. Any spelling errors and grammatical issues, that has nothing to do with alcohol. This is Brett not knowing how to type on his phone. Autocorrect but, hates me. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> of course, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us. You can do that on Spotify as well. But on iTunes, give us a rating. Give us a review. We will read that review on the air. Um, once again, thanks to Max Fruman from UW Dog Pound for sharing some thoughts on Washington and what should be... Uh, Fairly high-scoring game and hopefully a very interesting game, a very fun game to watch. Um, yeah, basketball's coming up. We'll get into that, but it's still football. We're not doing that. It's, you know, wait till basketball season. It's still football. Arizona begins the second half of its season this Saturday in Seattle. So, yeah, I think that'll about do it, Brett. And, you know, we'll talk about what happens in this game next week and everything else with Arizona athletics, as we always do. But until next week, remember to bear down. Bear down.